Well, first of all, can I thank your minister and the session here for giving us the invitation to come back again and to share with you um, uh, in this deputation meeting with regards to the work amongst the boys and girls. I don't know why it is tonight, but I feel very nervous tonight. Uh, sometimes you think these things should go away a little bit, but I would far rather that this room, I suppose, would be filled with boys and girls so that I could tell you all to sit up straight and fold your arms and no more running in and out until the end of the meeting. You know, whenever we come to do deputation meetings, there's certain language that we have to use and sometimes we don't feel very comfortable in doing so. And what I mean by that is very simply this. Tonight, as we bring this little report with regards to the work amongst the boys and girls, there will be an awful lot of I this and I that and I the other thing. And we have to use that terminology because this is the work that the Lord has put us into. But I would hope very early on that if you see anything of eternal value, anything of the furtherance of the gospel, anything of salvation amongst the boys and girls, know of a surety that it is all of the Lord. We're really only here tonight to give a report on what the Lord is doing and what the Lord has done and what the Lord will continue to do amongst our boys and girls. So with that said, we want tonight, as we are before you, we want just to share a few verses from God's word. We're not here to preach. We'll leave that to those who are well able for that. But we want just to share a few thoughts with you. And immediately we do that, we're then going to go into the little report. And as we've been in the past, we have tried to bring the work to you in a fresh way. And as we bring the work to you tonight, we want to give you a full overview of everything that has happened since uh, we've been involved in the work. And that's over a period of 15 years, where we started and where we are today and what the Lord has done in the interim period. And then at the very end, we want just to share with you a little short PowerPoint presentation. I want to thank the men at the back for being able to so speedily organize that for us. Sometimes that can be the most difficult part of the deputation meeting, getting all the electronics to work and everything to fall into place. And we trust that as you see the little PowerPoint at the very end, uh, that everything will come together. Sometimes whenever I speak, uh, your mind runs from maybe one thing to another thing, uh, to somewhere else, and sometimes it may come across a little bit disjointed. And uh, that's why we've got the pictures. So at the end, hopefully everything will come together nicely, and you'll get a good understanding of the work. You'll maybe be more pointed in your prayers, and uh, you'll be more informed as to what the Lord is doing. Uh, somebody once said that a picture uh, is worth a thousand words, and I tried that out in Bible college during the exams, but they wanted the thousand words every time. <laughs> they were not interested in any of the pictures uh, that we were able to do for them. So we trust at the very end that this little PowerPoint will indeed be a blessing uh, to your hearts. <clears throat> will you turn with me just for a few moments tonight uh, to the book of Exodus? Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10, we want just to read 
a few verses from the middle of this particular chapter. We're jumping in in the middle of a very uh, large storyline. The children of Israel had been taken slaves. They'd been captive for many a year. And Moses had been sent to have these people delivered. God had instructed that he would go to Pharaoh and make it clear that the people would be delivered. And again and again and again, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And so we're stepping into this story midway through. And once again, starting at verse 8, we see that Moses and Aaron have been brought before Pharaoh. So Exodus chapter 10, just reading from verse number 8 to verse number 11. And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh. And he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds, will we go. For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go. And your little ones, look to it, for evil is before you. Not so. Go now ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. We want just to end our reading there tonight. And maybe we'll have a wee word of prayer. Just ask the Lord uh, just to be with us, to help us, to undertake for us. And even prepare us for even these thoughts from his precious word. Dear Lord, we ask of thee that thou would just settle our hearts in thy presence. We pray, O Lord, that thou would just be very near. Thou dost know my need. And, O Lord, afresh, we cast ourselves before thee. And we ask for help from on high, the power of God, that the Spirit of God would be pleased to use us and to help us to be that mouthpiece that we ought to be. May all of the flesh be set to naught and that which is uppermost uh, be used for the glory of our God. These things we ask in our Saviour's name. Amen. I want very briefly tonight just to look at three uh, very simple things with regard to Satan and our children. Now, if you read your Bible regularly and well, what I will have to say to you will be no surprise. You will be already well informed as to what the devil's intentions are for our children. We are, I suppose, in many ways already on the back foot because born in sin and shaped in iniquity, the devil has already got our children, has already got our little ones. And then we need to seek to see them one for the Lord. But I want very briefly tonight to speak on Satan's ploy to keep our children out of church. I want then to look at Satan's plan as he would infiltrate our children's education. And I want lastly to look at the places that Satan has provided for our children as they grow older. In the passage before us, we want to concentrate on how Satan has a ploy to keep our children out of God's house, away from the place of worship, not to have knowledge of the blood-sprinkled way, of the sacrifice that was made, of what was needed to please God in the forgiveness of sins. And here in verse number 8, 
Aaron and Moses have been brought again to Pharaoh and it would seem that all is beginning to kick off on the right foot, on the right note. For Pharaoh says to them, go serve the Lord your God. And that all sounds very pleasant. But this man Pharaoh was a leader. He was the government. And as is the case many a time, he speaks out of both sides of his mouth. Because almost immediately he puts in, but, but, who are they that shall go? And then very faithfully, Moses in verse number nine, nine, he just repeats verbatim what the Lord had commanded him and what and who were to go and worship. And it says there very clearly, our young, our old, Our sons, our daughters, our flocks, our herds. Now the reason why the flocks and the herds were to go. Some of these animals no doubt were going to be taken. They were going to be examined. And they were going to be sacrificed to God in worship. And almost immediately we have here God's desire. And then we have Pharaoh as a type of the devil. His desire not to see that happening. Because in verse number 10 and in verse number 11, and I know it's in old English and it can come across as difficult, can come across as a little bit disjointed if you just read it regularly without much thought or intent. But verses number 10 and 11 paraphrased, and I'll just go through it like this. Pharaoh said, I will let you go, but what about your little ones? Surely some evil will befall them. Now we can't have that, can we? Only the men can go. And so here we have Pharaoh holding the little ones. Just as Satan would in his ploy keep them out of God's house, away from the worship service, away from that knowledge of sins forgiven uh, coming through the blood-sprinkled way. And so this is the first thing we want to leave with you tonight. Satan's ploy to keep our children out of the house of God. Number two, Satan has also a plan. He has a plan to infiltrate our children's education, to to pollute it, uh, to redirect their thoughts, uh, to pull them away from the truth uh, for what man's opinion would be. We read of this in Daniel chapter 1. We needn't turn to it tonight for the sake of time. But we're told in Daniel chapter 1 of the bringing forth of certain of the children of Israel, unblemished and well-favored, etc. And why were they brought forth? Well, it was King Nebuchadnezzar who had made this command. And verse 4, it was made very plain what they were brought forth. They were brought forth to be taught or retaught, or relearned in the tongue and in the learning of the Chaldeans. In other words, they were to forget all that they had learned thus far about the one true living God, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, and they were to forget all that, and they were to start again afresh. And there was that desire to integrate them with this false system and this false way of living and learning. But thank God in verse 8 of young Daniel who had purposed in his heart not to be defiled with such things. 
want to move on very quickly. Not only is there Satan's ploy to keep our children away from God's house, not only is there his, his plan to uh, pollute their education, the children's education, and we can see that today as we look across our country. In my day, I can remember in the history classes being, t- being taken back <clears throat> and shown posters on the wall of man in certain stages coming from the evolutionary line and been talking about cavemen and iron age and stone age and all of this. No mention of the truth that's found in Genesis. In the geography class, and when we got drilled down into the learning about the soils and the rocks and the formation of the mountains and all the rest, no mention of God's creation. It's all pulled away. It's all about ice ages. It's all about millions of years. That was in my day. Today, it's far worse. You know that. In the biology class, it's all over the place. It's there. And our children are being taught things that are not true. That's the bottom line. They're being taught things that God's word has an opposite opinion. And we need to be careful what our children are learning in school, what they're learning from their television, what they're learning from the internet. But then, lastly, there are Satan's places. Satan has places for your children. He is providing and making a way for them. You see, I can remember as my little ones uh, were growing up, those first little steps, and then the first little pair of shoes, And every day they were walking further and further and further away from us. They were becoming independent. And one day they would walk from our house out into the the world. And we as parents, Christian parents, needed to prepare them for that walk. Because the devil has places and he is desirous for them to be in those places. To pull them down, to wreck their lives. We learn of this in Exodus chapter 2. A most wonderful story. Again, so familiar. We have the birth of Moses. The hiding away of him along the riverbank. And Pharaoh's daughter coming to bathe with the, with the, the nursing staff. With her, her maids. And I believe that God in his purposes and in his way. Caused that little one to cry out at the right moment. As the princess would gaze into the little basket, cause the little one to have a tear roll down his cheek at the right time. And of course, her heart melted. And as you know the story as well as I do, how Miriam instructed to hide behind the tree, stepped out knowing that a nurse was needed, volunteered her own mother, ran home quickly to get her. And of course, if you are astute, you will see that that's the first time ever that child benefit was ever paid to anybody by a governing body for a mother to look after her own child. But you know, the devil had a place for that young man to be. He had purposes for him. And yet, God so ordered things that Moses in his infancy, in his young days, would sit on his mother's knee. He would hear of his need of God. He would hear of the way of redemption. He would know about sin and his personal need of forgiveness. And those looking on would have just said, you're wasting your time. It's a waste of time. What are you doing? He'll soon be up in the palace. What are you doing? You're wasting your time, Jochebed. Sin, wickedness, lavish living, all that overindulgence. He'll not be long and he'll forget all you've ever said. And in verse 10 of chapter 2 of Exodus, he did go up to the palace. He did go there. 
But that godly mother's efforts paid off because in Hebrews 11, 24 and 25, it says, By faith, or having come to faith, Moses, and the language is very strong, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What are the lessons that we have learned from these three thoughts? We need to get to our children to God early in life. We need to train them up, as it says in Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we trust that these thoughts will be a blessing to your heart as you seek to bring your own ones up, as maybe you seek to work with grandchildren, or a Sunday school class, or those whom you know. And we pray it'll be a blessing to your heart. I want just now uh, to move away from God's word and we want to go straight into our little report. We have much ground to cover and we trust that as we do so that your hearts will be blessed to even pray for certain aspects of the work. You might not remember everything, but there will be certain aspects of the work we trust that will stand out in your mind and you remember these things. You know, for me, um, the beginnings of this work were very small. The Lord so ordered things that I would spend about the first 20 years of my life in secular employment. I didn't go into full-time ministry amongst the children. I always had a heart for the boys and girls. I always enjoyed being part of the children's meeting, out on the buses, Sunday school teaching. But alongside of that, we were in everyday, regular employment. I made a vow to the Lord as a young man in my teenage years. And that vow was to be willing to serve the Lord as best I could they were willing to do what he would have me to do. That vow was brought back to me very vividly in my late 30s. And uh, we were very humbled that the Lord would even see anything that could be used in our lives. And so we just leaned on him. We went through our years in Bible college. They were tremendous years. We thoroughly enjoyed them. Although in Bible college, I was supposed I would be one of the older men there. And I was sitting alongside some very young men who not only were given pieces of paper and who could read down through it and remember it very quickly, but I was the very opposite. Not only could I not remember what was on the piece of paper, sometimes I couldn't remember what I had done with the piece of paper. <laughs> and so the Lord seen us through. And we came out the other end. And uh, we started about 15 years ago under uh, the mission board. We did a series of deputation meetings. And then we began to go out into the work. And those early days were difficult. And many in the background were quite skeptical. And they were saying, why did you give up your job? You have a family to provide for. You have a little home. Uh, you're, you're foolish doing this. That surely there wouldn't be enough for full-time work. There wouldn't be enough work for you. You'll maybe be there for a while and then you'll be, it'll all fall to the wayside. And, and in many ways we were discouraged by such. Some were saying you should have aimed higher than just children. But we went on ahead. We really had no idea of the day-to-day -day ministry and the work. We were just feeling our way. And so we just started where we were comfortable. And that was doing children's meetings and children's missions. And I can remember those very early days. We gained good experience. We began to learn. Uh, we began to get knowledge. And uh, we began to settle into the work. And we thoroughly enjoyed it. 
You know, tonight, just before coming to this meeting, we had just called in to our own children's meeting to make sure everything was up and ready and everybody was uh, going in the right direction before we left. And I just looked across and I seen three young ladies and the Lord just prompted my heart to remember. Those three young ladies, now in their late teens, early 20s, all three of them had absolutely no connection with our church in Cumber. All three of them were saved in the children's meeting. All three of them are there every Tuesday night for the children's meeting and then the prayer meeting. You see, sometimes, and it's lovely to see, and we can never forget our own children within our own church families. But sometimes, disappointingly, they don't seem to pick up the baton and run. And sometimes the Lord has to go and get a Ruth a Moabites, as it were, from a far-off land and bring them into the work. And as I just looked tonight, I just rejoiced in that. You see, the Lord saves, he keeps, and he continues. And we forget that. But we need to nurture our little ones. And so we began with our children's meetings and our missions. And then we set our aim a little bit higher. As the work progressed, we thought about the schools and that environment to do the scripture union and to do assemblies and so much letter writing and, and phone calls and, and knocking on doors uh, were had and it, it brought a, a limited success in a way but then without going into all the details the Lord so ordered a certain circumstance I had to learn a lesson to wait and realize it was the Lord's work it wasn't through fancy letters or phone calls and the Lord began to open doors and our diary began to fill up. And we rejoice tonight in so many doors having been opened. Now they don't just open once and they lie wide open. You do have to continually work at it. You do continually have to seek the Lord to keep the doors open. You do continually have to go back to those schools. There's never been a school yet has rang me up in August or September and said, listen, we want you to come in. It doesn't work that way. You have to do all the running. You have to do all the chasing. Sometimes a door can close and you don't really know why and you begin to read into it all and wonder maybe it was something I said the last time and maybe it was something I had spoke on. Uh, but sometimes you just got to leave it with the Lord. And as that door closes, he always opens another door twice as wide. And we rejoice in that. In fact, the Lord has continued to open doors where on occasions doors have closed. And sometimes doors close um, because of a change in staff, because of a retirement, because a head teacher has come and gone, and a new head teacher doesn't know you, and a new head teacher isn't familiar with you. And so we have to continually build relationships and get to know folk and to get into the schools. But there are some remarkable things that happen in the school environment. We could spend a lot of time tonight, but we realize we are time constricted. But I'll just give you a few for instance. For instance, there is a little school that I go into very regularly, once a month, and we're always very welcomed. It would be a school in an area where there would be an awful lot of both Protestant and Roman Catholics in that school. Although it's a state school, it could be anything or anywhere. But there is a caretaker in that school. And I began to notice that he began to come in and stand at the back door of the assembly any time I was there. Now, he would be quite a rough diamond. 
And as soon as the assembly is over, the door goes and he steps away. And it happens month in and month out. I would ask that you would pray for that man. I would trust that the Lord's beginning to do a work in the heart of that man. Because, you know, as well as speaking to boys and girls, there's an awful lot of other people you come into contact with as you come in and out of schools. There's all the teaching staff. Many of them are not saved. Now, many of them will come in and they don't really want to be there. And you can feel it. And sometimes this might be strange to say, but sometimes as a home missionary, sometimes we do feel a little bit lonely in that environment. For all are against you and few are for you. We thank the Lord tonight for Christian teachers and staff who are very complimentary and very encouraging. But do remember that there are other members of staff. There is the lollipop man or the lollipop lady. And every January where the opportunity is given, we like to make sure they get a wee, a nice colourful calendar or, or just something and try and be Christ-like. And you know, it's a real joy whenever we go into the schools and sometimes you're making your way down the corridor and the classes just aren't quite ready. And the little ones are in the class. And as you're making your way down to set up, it's lovely to hear, there's Uncle Robert. There's Uncle Robert. And that just gives us the peace sometimes that we need. It's a great privilege sometimes when you go into a school and you're standing before maybe upwards of 600 boys and girls. To me, that's like getting to do 20 children's meetings in one go. And you haven't got your poor workers with indigestion having rushed their tea to get out on a bus. You haven't got your poor treasurer worked up to high because of the lights and electric and the cost of the buses. You haven't to worry about the discipline. And there they all are. And we get a very short period of time. We maybe get 10 minutes. And we're very aware of that. And we try not to exceed that because we know there's a full school day ahead. But in that short time, we trust that the Lord will give us what is necessary to speak to the hearts of boys and girls and adults alike. As I said at the beginning, we've been in this work now about 15 years. And one of the things I really rejoice in was when we go into a new school in September. And along the front row, you have these little tiny, tiny children. And they're so small. But don't let that fool you. Because those P1s, they'll have the shoes and socks and everything off you before you know it. You need to stay well back. But you know, whenever I look at those wee ones, and you get an opportunity to come into that school maybe five or six times, and then the following year they've moved into P2, and you get to speak to them again. The following year they're in P3, and you get to speak to them again. And you get to speak to them again, and again, and again. And what a joy it is to right through those childhood years getting that opportunity to tell them of their Savior and their need of him and to just simply bring God's word to them. Many of them have absolutely no idea of any of the most basic Bible stories. They have no idea. And we kid ourselves to think that they know anything more. They do not. But we need to move on. Another part of the work that has really flourished and that we've enjoyed over the years was the introduction of a United Children's Camp. Uh, those on the mission board and uh, those in the powers that be uh, felt that it would be a good idea to have a camp for boys and girls aged 7 to 11. And uh, that camp's been going on for many, many years. I have to say that in the early days, I suppose I had been one of the ones to have poured the most cold water on such a camp. 
All I could envisage was 50 children on night number one, seven years of age, going, I want home. I miss my mummy and the tears coming. Now, there is a little bit of that, and I thank the Lord that there are those with great ability. There's those mothers in Israel in our camps that can really settle those wee ones and do a great job. But those camps have been a blessing to our denomination. There are little ones who come along there, and they come along a second year, and some of them come up to maybe four or maybe five years, year in and year out to the camps. In those early days, we had uh, the first camps from 2014 to 2016 in, in a place called uh, Green Hill in um, Newcastle. It was fine, but it, we had to have other groups on the campus. And so we, we moved away from that to uh, an all-inclusive um, uh, meeting place, and it was called Rathmore House in Larne. And that was a lot better for our children. It's an old, old house, uh, plenty of rooms, plenty of space, plenty of, of, of activities and plenty of room around it. Uh, that went for another three years, but the, the dear lady, her husband had died and she felt that she didn't want to continue on. Uh, and then in 2020, we didn't have any uh, camp for the boys and girls uh, because of the lockdowns. And in 2021, we had a camp online and that was about one of the best ever for me because he just hit the button after about an hour and they went away and they could go to bed whatever time they wanted to go to bed. <laughs> And that suited me fine. But, you know, we did miss the camp. We did miss those opportunities to, to enjoy fellowship with other believers and also to make up new uh, friendships ourselves. And we have done that over the years and to see the boys and girls growing up and progressing. This last couple of years, we've been down in a place called Moy Allen, down Portadown Way, Guildford Way. And uh, over the years whenever the applications have been presented to the congregations, some children were left out because mum and dad were a bit too late. There wasn't enough spaces. And so two years ago, it was felt necessary that we would widen out the camp to 100 children over a two-week period. And those camps were filled and I would covet your prayer for those camps as they would progress again this year in the will of the Lord, that the little ones would be kept safe, that the workers would have wisdom, that boys and girls would be counseled as to their salvation and edified uh, as to their own walk with the Lord for those who are saved. They are tremendous camps. Another thing uh, that has really widened over the years and is again part of the work is the training seminars. Um, you do need as much help as you can get. There are plenty of people willing to do children's work. And uh, so we would decided to do seminars. They started back in 2013 and then more regularly through the Christian Workers Institute or the Christian Workers Trading Academy. And then last year, the Reverend McKee, he then uh, got them up and running again. And basically, the whole idea is just to uh, share experiences, share the problems that we've had, share the mistakes that we've made uh, with those of like precious faith and just try and uh, learn the best ways together to run a meeting, to counsel a child, uh, to do what's best in this work for the Lord. Again, another aspect of the work was the online ministry. 
Our church has always been evangelical in its outreach. As a gospel service is preached, there is always efforts to go beyond the four walls of the building. In the olden days, it was an old tape ministry. We had somebody with a wee, a wee tape machine with a few batteries in it, hitting the old buttons and holding the microphone. But we've moved on from that to a little bit more sophisticated means using the CD system. And then we progressed from that to DVDs. And then of late, we have been online with sermon audio and, and, and using YouTube and Facebook and what have you. But all of that has always been in a certain way aimed at the adult. And in 2020, I think for the first time ever, I could be wrong in this, but I don't think I am. Suddenly there was an online ministry for boys and girls. And I don't think that had ever occurred before. And those little videos that were made are all still there and they're all available. And perhaps even tonight, you could just take a note of FPC Kids. That's not hard to remember. And if you maybe know a neighbor with children, just say, have a wee look there on Facebook. Have a wee look on YouTube. FPC Kids. Your children might enjoy that. And just leave it with the Lord if you're not one for uh, doing a lot of speaking to people. They're there. And they're good. it's good material. And children have been saved through that material. And we rejoice in that. <clears throat> Another aspect of the work uh, that I suppose is the norm now, but 10 or 15 years ago wasn't really uh, as widespread as the holiday Bible clubs. Again, lovely to work alongside those of like Precious Faith. Lovely to go in and out of our churches. Lovely to see how things are done. Lovely to be able to share ideas and to bring the gospel to boys and girls and see little ones one for, for Christ. Great way of reaching into the community. Great way of getting parents and family members out. Another thing that uh, came out of lockdown for us was what became commonly and fondly known as little pop-up meetings. If you recall, during all those years and months of lockdown, uh, there was no um, seemingly no end to it, and uh, a lot of the meetings were disrupted, and you couldn't meet so much inside. And then as things began to ease, you could meet outside, and you could do this, and you could do that. And through all of that, I remember speaking to our own session in Cumber, and I just said, Brethren, could I get a big gazebo? Now, if you don't know what a gazebo is, a gazebo is a very expensive tent with no sides in it. And we got this gazebo, and we got it all set up, and we got a few of the men trained up on how to put it up, and we just went then out into the community, into the housing estates, uh, to do a little leaflet drop, and then set up the gazebo and have our little outdoor meetings. And the Lord really blessed those meetings. Because on one hand, we had our, our little children's meetings and our Sunday schools were completely depleted. And on the other hand, the Lord just refilled them again from these efforts uh, whenever we were able to meet once again. Christ, uh, good Christian literature for children, that's been another aspect, another part of the ministry. And uh, again, it's an ongoing part of the ministry. There is, I suppose, in many ways, a lack of good sound material. And our mission board and their wisdom uh, uh, got the... Uh, the evangelists involved in that end of the work to put together five lovely little colourful tracks. They are available, they are they're able to be accessed and they also uh, put together this lovely little booklet for children who are saved 
And uh, these things can be got uh, through our mission board, through the office in uh, Kilkeel there. And again, it's good sound material. And uh, it's uh, the very means of even seeing boys and girls one for the Lord Jesus Christ. We could go on, we could tell you about many other things, but we want just to conclude by saying, yes, the work was very small in the beginning. But we can say with Job that our latter end has greatly increased. But I can tell you tonight that this work could do with easily 10 more full-time children's workers. I would go into roughly about 45 or 50 schools. That's only 5% of all the schools that are available for me to go into in Northern Ireland. Now, if you were to come home, having done 5% and a test, you wouldn't be too well um, lauded up. And so 5%, that's where we are. And you know, there's many of our men who do go into the schools. We do have our other home missionaries. But with all of that, I would say there's a huge majority of boys and girls slipping through the net. And children's work has one aspect to it that isn't really seen elsewhere. And it's this. Children are only children for a very short space of time. And I can tell you tonight that the devil with his plans and his ploys and all the rest of it is seeking to shorten that. And he's succeeding. You will have difficulty maybe tonight to get children above 10 into your children's meeting because the devil has opened them to a whole world of wickedness and a whole world of thought and intent that they should never know anything about. In fact, that none of us should know anything about. And we lose them hand over fist because of it. And so they're only children for a short time and then they're gone. And so we need to work and work and work. You know, an old judge one time said this. He said that a child brought up through Sunday school or indeed children's meeting or Bible club, but a child brought up through Sunday school is seldom brought up before me. That's what he said. And I don't know if that old man had any spiritual insight to that. But he was dead right. You see God's word presented to children. Has a curbing influence over them. As well as the adult. It holds them back. It challenges them. But not only does it have a curbing influence. It has a converting influence. It's the power of God unto salvation. We have got something that our children need. And you know whenever you see the children coming week after week after week. It's because children have sometimes a sense of reality that maybe an adult doesn't have. Children can see through falsehood very quickly. You know, I can remember doing a little children's meeting away up the country years ago. And about every third time I went to do it, the meeting was away, way down. Numbers dropped away, way down. And the lady said to me, he said, she said, Robert, what happens is this. This is a predominantly nationalist area. And when the priest gets wind of these children at your children's meeting, they tell them not to come. And they all don't come for one week. <laughs> and then he's away and they all come back. That's because there's a warmth, there's a wonder, there's something special about our Saviour. And when he's presented to the children, it's lovely to have the hush of eternity as they sit under God's word. And oh, that they would have that opportunity. 
And I would ask that you would pray for us, that we would be given the opportunity again and again and again. I would ask that new workers would be trained up and have a heart for the work again and again and again. You know, many of our churches have beautiful balconies, beautiful extensions, large halls. But if you go into them on a Sunday, especially a Sunday night, many of those galleries are closed. Now the Lord can populate those very quickly if there is a band who are faithful in prayer. And I believe the Lord would populate them with the up and coming generation. And I would ask that you would join with us to see them one for the Saviour. I want to thank you so much for your time and for giving us the opportunity to bring this little report. We trust that it hasn't been too disjointed and as you watch the little PowerPoint that they'll all come together and that you'll maybe remember some of these points for prayer. Don't worry about who I am. All you need to do in the morning is throw the feet onto the floor and say, Lord, remember that fella who's at the schools and the Lord will do all the rest as he has been on many, many occasions. Thank you very much.